Hey everybody, welcome to Cantorian U. It's uh, it's been quite an interesting week, huh? Week, month, year. 2017 has been a son of a bitch. Wowie. This episode rules. Pumped to be sitting down with Pepe Romero Jr. Pepe is a friggin' uh wow. He's insane, I'll tell you that much. Spent some time with him at his uh, workshop in Del Mar. He makes guitars and ukuleles for the likes of Ben Harper and Jack Johnson. And you'll meet Pepe here momentarily. Do you want to thank our sponsors? We've got Sony. Can you believe it's Sony? An official sponsor of U Media. Thank you to Sony. Also, thank you to Tori Holistics, one of only a handful of licensed legal medical marijuana collectives here in San Diego County. They pay their taxes. They're doing it the right way, the legit way. Conveniently located in Sorrento Valley, right off the 5 Freeway, off Roselle. And uh, you just get off at Sorrento Valley Road and make that right. Right when you get off the 5, that's Roselle right there. And then Tori's on the left. And uh, just an amazing array of products. Everything from flowers to, uh, if that's your deal. Uh, you hear us talk a lot on the U Network about CBDs and the medicinal values and benefits of CBDs. The non-psychoactive part of the plant. I mean, it's just like uh, producing hemp thread or rope. I mean, seriously, it's just these CBDs. People are using them to help with uh, seizures and anxiety and insomnia. The list goes on. Certainly do your research. I'm just a, I'm just a messenger, but uh, do your own research there. And if you're interested in the movement and are a patient or need information about becoming one, Head on into Tory Holistics or check them online at toryholistics.com. And then South Coast, I spent some great, just a great time. I had beers with the South Coast people yesterday. What's up, Steve, Heather, Larry, the whole crew? They're friggin' awesome. Talk about an amazing network. It uh, reminds me a lot of you, you media, except they've been going strong since 1974, and we've been going strong since January. But uh, South Coast, it's just they're good people, positive people. They're doing good stuff in the community and uh, local, independent, and they're committed to you. They really are. It's all about you, the consumer. I've said it before, and I'll say it again till I'm blue in the face, as blue as the ocean. And that is uh, support your local surf shop. South Coast, every other surf shop in town, support them. Don't take your business to Amazon. Trust me when I say this. When it comes to purchasing wetsuits, surfboards, uh, any gear, t-shirts, uh, shorts, shoes, seriously, just go in here. It's not that big of a deal to go into your local brick and mortar and buy your stuff there. It keeps these people in business. And you can buy their stuff online too. Instead of the Amazon store, Go to southcoast.com. Get yourself a South Coast hat, T-shirt. You know the trip. I know you know the trip. You know the trip. I'm laying in bed talking to you. We'll kick into Pepe here in a sec. It's just been a crazy couple of days. I'd love to tell you more and tell you everything. Not more, just everything. But unfortunately, I'm not able to do that right now for reasons that you can only imagine. It just sucks. It all sucks. It's not why I got into this business. I never got in this, into this business for money, for contracts. For I was into the show, not the business, man. And the business kills me, especially this day and age, man. 
You know, for years I was known as the guy who held jobs forever, man. I was at 91X for fucking 11 years, the longest running morning show in 91X's history, 11 years. Now, whatever, in the, in the grand scheme of things, I could give a shit, truly. But when you look at that compared to today where I've had, what, three radio jobs in two years after being at a place for 10, 11 years, it just shows you how much I haven't changed. I've been the same me, man. I'm trying to be a better person. That's what's changed because it didn't used to be this way, man. And I'm not feeling sorry for myself. Trust me. Long. Oh, I'm way over that shit. It's just a uh, it's just a question of it's a new landscape, it's a new day, and I love a new day, and um, I'm not afraid. This is what I wanted to do. The second I got blown out of 94.9, you know, we turned the lights on this, you know, overnight, as you know. There have been bumps, but there are always friggin' bumps. It's a new business. My biggest mistake at this juncture was, you know, allowing myself to get sidetracked, knowing how that story played out. Uh, someone's reaching out to me. Oh, man, and it's related to this subject. And I just got a text. And this shows you, man, just the awesome people that we're working with here at U. Jacob, who hosts Let Me Drink About It, just sent me a text. And it says, hey, man, wanted to reach out and let you, and let you know to not let setbacks drive you down. We got this, man. Growth is happening, and we don't even have to pursue it. I want to make dope shit. You want to make dope shit. We're all on board. We can do this. You is going to blow up. I know it. I mean, this brings tears to my eyes. Anyways, we, we know it's an uphill battle. Just wanted to let you know we're secure over here and let me drink about it. It's all about surrounding yourself with the right people, friends. That's the message here. This is the right person, Pepe Romero Jr. Thank you, Jacob, for that. I needed that. Just walking up here, I could tell this is a very special place. Am I right? It is a very special place, both to me and to the music world. Now, uh, did you grow up in this house? I grew up two miles down the road. Okay. Uh, this was my grandparents' house. Right. And I spent a lot of time here growing up, and I was real tight with my grandparents. Me too. Um, <laughs> so this this was my home away from home, close enough I could ride my bike here, and I hung out here a lot, especially when my dad was on the road and my grandparents were not. There's something special about just a grandparent's house. It's a different type of love. I don't know how to describe it, but there's a different love and vibe at a, in your grandparent's house than in the home that you grew up in. Yeah, I think your grandparents didn't have to discipline you, so it was just <laughs> yeah. like all the good stuff and none of the tough stuff. Yeah, you got a point. And um, they were incredible people. And actually, I'll tell the story in a little bit, but there's a good reason that I'm... I spent 17 years building guitars right here in this room. And what is that reason? So, um, my, I was big into wood shop. Junior high, went to Earl Warren, went to Torrey Pines. In high school, I got special permission to take wood shop all throughout, just because I loved shop. And when I was in high school, my grandfather went to the fair, and I had a little cabinet on display that got some honorable mention or something. And he was all pumped up, and he looked at me, and he said, Pepe. 
you need to build guitars in my house. And I kind of laughed it off. And he actually had a contractor come out and price what it would be to, to put a shop together. And he got sick my senior year with cancer and he was fighting cancer. And I was, we're only a couple miles from school. So I would skip as many classes as I could to be with him at the end of his life. And, wow. um, I was taking wood shop building basic little things and, uh, I had to go take a test and my grandfather who it was really at the end, like he had an oxygen mask on and yeah. he said, don't, don't go to school. I said, like we called him Papa, which is dad in, in Spanish. And what was his name? Was Celedonio. Celedonio. Yes. I'm so glad you pronounced it because <laughs> I was doing some research and that's not the way, <laughs> it's not the way my gringo mind processed right. it. No. And I'm not going to say what my interpretation was. Say it again. Celedonio. Okay. So he legend, he, he's the patriarch of the family. Yes. And came to the U.S. through some real tough times Gnarly back in Spain. Times, yeah. Right. We'll get to that. Though. Yeah. So I had to go take whatever the test was. And and he looked at me and he said, Pepe, when are you going to say fuck you to the school and build guitars in my house? <laughs> and uh, I was like, I kind of laughed and I said, Papa, we, you can't do that here. You could do that in old world Spain, right? right? My, and actually, uh, my dad didn't finish high school because he was on the road in the in the fifties as a touring. And my uncle, and you know, back in the day, if you had your calling and you could go make it, you could go make it. And you just went out but, on the road, and that's all you did, right? Right. Did you know homeschool? Anyway, I was like, we don't do that here. This is yeah, this is the U.S. Culture. It was the nineties, and you you go to school. Yeah. So I went and I took my test and enjoyed my shop classes and he died that year before the end of the school year and i had this feeling that i wanted to make him one guitar in his honor i didn't know what i wanted to do at that point i was into soccer and baseball and yeah whatever working part-time jobs i didn't imagine woodworking for a career i thought that was hobby stuff and guitar making seemed over my head yeah right so i went to uh bellingham washington the summer of 96 after I graduated and my dad had a concert up there and one of his friends, whose name is Dake Traphagen, who's a classical guitar maker said, Hey, if you ever want to build a guitar, come spend some time here. And I said, you know what? I'm coming. And I went in the winter. So I took class at Maricosa college. So this is after high school during the transition of what am I going to do with my life? Right. I was taking general ed classes right. at junior college sure. and I went up winter 96 day after Christmas, and spent three weeks with with Dake in his shop. Just he was telling me, you know, step by step what to do, and walked me through guitar making process. And we put a guitar together. And when I put the strings on that guitar, it was the the end of the time, right before I was going home. Started stringing it up, and it was it just hit me like a it was an epiphany of this is my future. This is it. I found yeah. it. It was I had to lay down on the floor as I was about to pass out. Come with on. This, I swear. It, it was no doubt that this is it. So do you think it had to do with the fact that your your grandfather had set you on the path and that you had touched it and maybe it tied it all together at that you know, moment? He, he saw something before I saw it. Right. And I didn't go there because I wanted to be a guitar maker. I wanted to go there and make one for him in his honor. And, yeah. But this was, he saw it before I did and... Uh, I think that the, the power of, of what I felt in the moment was the truth that this is my path. 
and I've been and doing it for that, tw- yeah that early. I've been in doing life? it for twenty years now, and I'm still totally in love with it. Yeah, man. So, Didn't your grandfather make guitars too? No, I'm the first one in the family the to, to build. One. My my grandfather, my uncles, my cousin, so they were all just professional guitar players. Flamenco guitarists. Yeah, classical and, and flamenco guitar, guitarists. Spanish style. And okay. So they were all waiting for me in high school to figure out that I'm supposed to be the next one joining the quartet and... Like, okay. you know, come on, man. Well, you're now it's now, go were you time. Playing, and were you playing? I played also? a little bit for fun and I never took it serious because I always knew that I didn't want to be a guitarist. But did you feel like you had the same talent that your father and your grandfather had? Could I think you compete, that the talent, will? I don't think so. I think that there would have been a big shadow. I, I could play, I can play fine, but. Uh, I wasn't born to be that was in your to be then. No, it wasn't, and I knew it. And they thought that it was really until the day I made came home with my first guitar, and we saw, you know what, the like, love that shit. I had, and the love that the family has, and the way I was raised with all these incredible guitars and musicians was basically putting me in alignment to do what I do now. So, was there ever any training involved? Like, I mean, yes. obviously, apprentice. You know, you're an apprentice, and yeah, yeah, it's a learn as you go thing. But did you ever get schooling, professional schooling for it? What I did was I had a, actually an education that you can't get, which is friends of the family who are some of the best guitar builders on the planet invited me into their workshops, okay. and so I, starting with Dave Traphagen, who's a f- incredible guitar maker up in Washington State, I studied. I made my first guitar with him and okay, I finished and what, off my second guitar with him. And then every summer for three summers, I would go to Spain and just one-on-one with, with uh, Manuel Contreras, with Jose Romanillos and with Miguel Rodriguez, who are three legendary yeah. classical guitar builders just in their shops, one-on-one learning from them. And then after that, I met a German master builder, Edmund Bloschinger, who invited, he, he, at that point I had made 17 guitars. And he looked at what I was doing and said, I can teach you what you're missing, which is the um, the final steps in craftsmanship. Yeah, you can let somebody in. It's no worries. Hi, That's my nephew, Bernardo, who's up, Bernardo? He's the next in line. He's, he's, next he's building uh, up, his own incredible guitars. I'm interviewing your very talented oh, uncle. Oh, cool. Yeah, yeah. You're welcome to hang out, man. No, no. This is how we do it, man. This is how we do it. Cool. You, you can hang out or... I'll have a coffee and then come back. Yeah, come back down. So Dake up in Washington, pardon my my, my complete ignorance here, but why is he the guru, the wizard, the master? He's uh, he had been building for thirty-five years at that point, and he he had made excellent guitars, and he was a good friend of my father, and it was more about that relationship and the the years of experience that he had, and his guitars. in sound, were modeled after uh, Miguel Rodriguez, who is our family's hero in guitar making. And Miguel Rodriguez from Spain, from right. Cordoba, Spain, is the guy who my family made their careers on his guitars. Okay. So Dake knew a lot about those instruments. And uh, number one, it was the offer because to have a guy come into your shop and build instruments sucks. Yeah, it's way to to show someone how to build a guitar is ten times more work than to building the guitar yourself. I so can't imagine the offer was incredible. Yeah, it's kind of like and he was a friend interns of the family and that sort of thing too. It's okay. like if you bring somebody in, you're going for the long haul, right? So or um, you hope so. 
<laughs> but I went up there and he just showed me how to make my own thing. I didn't work on his stuff. Um, right. It wasn't a true, I actually never had a true apprenticeship. Everywhere I went was uh, these guys either observing them or them showing me on my instrument, you know, how to, how to refine techniques. And by the time I met Edmund Bloschinger, the German, and he brought me in and I needed to refine my craftsmanship. And he told me what, what can't be taught you have. Right. And what can be taught, I can show you. Interesting. And, and so I studied three sessions over, I would go for about two months at a time. How cool, Once a man. year. And just, I live with, live with these people. And um, it's something that you can't go out and just say, oh, I'm going to go study with this guy and that guy. There's the yeah. benefit of the family and friendships my dad has and uh, yeah, this became tight with all these people too. You weren't watching YouTube videos. No, no, it was. <laughs> uh, and it also it just showed me that there's no one way to yeah. do it. There are many ways to do it. And it's, it's about having a vision for the end result and an ear for the end result, which I grew up being trained with. Um, and then just believing in yourself and intuition and, it's sort of, there is some science to it, but maybe some voodoo at the same yeah, time. Sure. At man. least for me. Of course. You know. How long does it take you to make a guitar? It takes about two months, start two to finish. Months. Yes. And I want to talk more about the craftsmanship, but I also want to talk about the family history. So your, your grandfather, where we started the conversation, he came here from Spain during uh, volatile times, right? Right. So my, their first son, my uncle Celine, was born while the Germans were bombing Malaga. Like on the night he was born in the house by candlelight, there were bombs falling. Uh, Franco was the dictator and that was kind of crumbling, but still he had a stranglehold. And uh, then my dad and my uncle were born in Spain and my grandfather was a guitarist. And he supported the, the rebellion against Franco. He wasn't a, a political guy, but he would play concerts and he had a pin sure. showing, hey, I'm not for Franco. Yep. And he got blackballed and put in jail and they made it so he couldn't have he couldn't make any money and they were they had nothing. So wow. they they wound up getting a visa to visit Portugal in nineteen fifty eight to visit my aunt's sister. And they fled the country and they flew to Santa Barbara with, I think they had one guitar between... From Portugal? Yeah, they went from Spain into Portugal. And from Portugal, they, they had a friend bought them tickets and got them out. And they just ended up in Santa Barbara. They went to Santa Barbara because they had a friend of that friend in Portugal in Santa Barbara that could get them yeah, you know, set, up a, or, set up. and What a great place to land. Right. So my, my uncle Angel, I think, was... 10 or 9 or 10 my dad was 13 my uncle Celine was 20 so my grandparents go with their three boys and nothing Jeez. flew to Santa Barbara and started teaching guitar playing guitar playing concerts they formed the guitar quartet at that point in which, Santa Barbara yes they, so this is late 50s early 60s they got they they landed in 1958 okay and created the format of the classical guitar quartet and they blew it up they, then they moved, actually, in Santa Barbara is where my parents met. As I think they were 15 when they met. That's awesome. Uh, so they moved to Hollywood after that, and they had a music school, and they were just touring the world, you know, over and over. Dang. And uh, in the 70s is when they moved to San Diego. And everyone bought houses here in Del Mar. 
And uh, back in the day, yeah, in when the, you could in '77 when it was just a little town, you yeah. know. And so I grew up here, um, spent a lot of time in this house, and you know, your dad was on the road a lot. Yeah, my dad's gone three quarters of the year. Wow, was that a trip as a kid? It was terrible. Yeah. <laughs> he was always very loving, and when he came home, we spent some time together. But um, he's also has an incredible work ethic, and got where he's is by playing dad. guitar. The guy played when he was home; he'd be playing ten hours a day. Yeah, and when he was, he's just gone providing for the family. Of and, course, man. Um, I think either you're you're hot or you're not kind of thing. Got to keep it moving. He hasn't stopped. He's 73. I know. And all over the place. That's so crazy. Yeah. Do you ever go out on the road with your pops or? I did as a kid more. And yeah. now I'm a dad. And I grew up knowing that the big part of why I did not embrace the guitar fully was I wanted to have a grow up, have a family and go home at the end of the day. I've made that Every connection. Day. Yeah. I just, when you, the way you responded with your pops, because it's much like my dad. Now he wasn't on the road three quarters of the time, but he was at the office three right. quarters of the time. So, yeah, I mean, we, we were tight when he was home, but he was gone a lot. Yeah. And that, that's the nature. I mean, if you're going to be a musician, that's the nature that's of how the beast, it is. man. And so I, I grew up knowing that that is not me. Yeah, and I see uh, that. so, but I also grew up with a love of the music and playing, and I think being able to play and growing up playing has taught me a lot as a guitar maker. Well, that's what I was going to ask. In the end, how I much get, does that play a role into? I would imagine it's a huge. tremendous role. It's huge to know what you did. You know, every instrument you do some, you try and get better, and so you do some tweak on on what you're doing. And if to sit down and really be able to play it and hear it and feel it. Uh, I can't imagine learning yeah. truly what I did without being able to do that. And when you talk about that it factor where things can be taught, I would imagine the it factor, now we're swinging back to the construction, yes. is having that that ear, that ear that I would never have. Like you hit that guitar tone and you're like, oh man, that's it. That's perfect. Where I'm like, yeah, it sounds good. You know, it sounds like a guitar. It's that and it's... Uh, every every instrument builder has their own sound, and I think this is something intangible, and it's who you are. And no matter what you do, as far as bracing the instrument, make it bigger, smaller, you can change the dynamic of it, but the personality of an instrument on a on a handmade instrument has the personality of that builder in it. Right. And so, I think to a certain level. No matter how much you know, you have to have something yeah. that you put yourself into There's this. Be hard in it, and you're going to have a kind of a sound that you can't duplicate. go away from. You can't, you can't ditch it. And it can't be duplicated. Right. That's why you can't duplicate a guitar. Yeah, that's interesting because it reminds me a lot of the only thing I can relate to is a surfboard. Just like yeah. a, a custom it, surfboard. It's exactly like that. Knowing who the shaper is, knowing that their heart went into it, and knowing that there is such special craftsmanship involved that it gives you a whole different experience with the board. Right. Which is the same for the guitar player, which is why I would imagine that you do develop and build guitars for renowned artists, and that that's in your lineage, correct? Definitely. But you got more into the ukulele side of things, right? Didn't you transition from... Because it's not a traditional guitar that you initially specialized in, correct? Uh, actually, I, I, yeah, it is a Spanish style classical or flamenco guitar, nylon okay. string, very traditional that I that I built for. 
it was 15 years before I started building ukuleles. And uh, that came about, I always enjoyed the sound of them and thought they were cool. And I had had people ask for them. And I kind of, yeah, no, no, I, I build just guitars. I kind of right. had tunnel vision for the guitar until my wife and my two-year-old daughter and I at the time, in 2011, we went to Hawaii. We went to Oahu on vacation and fell in love with the island and yeah. fell in love with the music and the people and we came home and we were at Jacoletti Music up in Carlsbad and they have a bunch of ukuleles on the wall and my wife and daughter looked at me and they said hey when are you going to make us ukes and i at that moment it made sense the uh the motivation was pure and and i thought you know what i'm going to i'll build you guys some but to to build a new instrument, different size, different model, you, it involves a lot of jig making I and set up. And so to make two makes no sense. Uh, and I decided what I'll do is I'll make, I'm going to make a run of eight, make all the forms and stuff that I need and see how it goes. So the f I numbered them one of eight, two of eight. And then I thought, you know, my wife and daughter will get the first two and then I'll see if there's interest with the rest. Sure. And I started talking to some friends and about two weeks into the build process, I, they were all sold. And I was like, whoa, that's pretty crazy. I haven't even made them yet and people want them for sure. Dang. So I enjoyed the process. I look at it as building a little Spanish guitar and it gives me a different take and a different sound than other ukulele makers out there. Got it. And all the, the, the knowledge that I've gained on how to make some, a nylon string instrument sound comes from the, the classical guitar and I apply it directly into the ukulele. Gotcha. And so my ukes had a, a different character, a different tone, a different projection than what people are used to and it caught on and then I said, hey man, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with this. It's awesome. So that's what separated you from say a from a from the layman, the traditional ukulele was that you were able to integrate what you were doing already into right. the uke. Right. I don't think there are many traditional spanish guitar yeah. builders that are building ukulele <laughs> like that right. doesn't make sense but you know to me it does i grew up here in san diego and i surf regularly that's sure. my sport um i get out in the water i love hawaii and uh it, it just kind of fell into place and so ever since then i've been trying to find the balance in uh, between guitar building and ukulele building which is my next question i, I tend to do maybe six months focused on guitars, six months focused on the ukulele. And I don't have any real set formula for that, but yeah. it's hard to find, to find a balance. I'm backed up three years on orders. So I have people waiting for my guitars and now the same thing with the ukulele. And so I'm trying to satisfy demand. And in the end, I just need to do what I'm feeling in the moment to right. make whatever it is and and just yeah. go for it where is the line between doing the customs and being three years backlog to go on full production house like what is what is that line is there a gray zone there that's it's a clear line to me um so a year and a half after i started building instruments i had developed a friend a friendship with Daniel Ho, who is a six-time Grammy yeah. winner from Hawaii, slack key guitar, ukulele, incredible musician. Yes, and sir. we started bouncing ideas off each other like crazy. And we, we are both sort of OCD when it comes to instruments. And 
have all these ideas and we bounce things back and forth and we came up with a new design we call the tiny tenor yep. which is a tenor ukulele that travels like a concert so it's we shorten the body change the shape and had this cool thing and daniel was telling me that yeah you, you should make a whole bunch of these i said well i can't i have order i have all these people waiting for instruments and right. i i could make a few but that's it and the idea turned into to me starting Romero Creation. So I built under my name, Pepe Romero. Right. And decided that I wanted to get this design and some other designs I had in my mind out to the masses. And what I did was sent some, some plans and drawings to a, a factory in Vietnam who does great work and started a production company, which I call Romero Creations which is separate from Pepe Romero. Got it. And, Custom guitars versus... Right. And so instead of trying to up the production of what I do myself, I started a, a new line of instruments, which is production made, and I want to keep what I do by myself, by myself, because that's, that's how I'm happy. It's, I understand It's just that. finding that balance. And, finding uh, the balance. You know, life is good. i got to be able to surf a couple times a week, and Come on. when I start getting too busy for that, then something's Oof, wrong, right? Something's off, buddy. <laughs> I know that world way too well. Now... When it comes to working with artists and building custom instruments for artists. Building for for Jack Johnson and Ben Harper were career highlights. And uh, I was a huge fan of theirs before I ever fantasized about them playing my instruments. Sure. You know, I built classical guitars and they are not classical guitar players. Right. But when I started building ukuleles, there goes the access to any musical culture because it can touch rock and roll it can touch hawaiian mm. it can touch classical jazz it's a it's a joining force across the different musical genres and it was through the ukulele that i got in contact with ben harper and with jack johnson and okay um they they took to my to my ukuleles and both of them did some touring on them and jack johnson's been recording with his and they both wanted a classical guitar believe it or not neither one had them and Interesting. Uh, so they they got their hands on my classicals and they tripped out um jack johnson wound stage? up getting three of them yeah so ben harper played his he did a solo acoustic tour right no band it was just him in concert halls with your guitar he played he plays about it. 10 guitars yeah, so he, he would play like a... <laughs> one one song on the guitar and then he closed the shows on the ukulele and uh he would even play sometimes unplugged sit in the front of the stage and and sing without the mic and my god the guy is amazing Damn. Oh, Ben's and, a genius. Um, yeah he is mind-blowing mind-blowing my wife dude. was crying people uh, were just oh my god the and a humble guy ben. too he's the real deal with both of them, the guitars that they really were drawn to were guitars I had already made and I had in my personal collection. And um, Jack has three of my guitars now. And the one that he likes the most is the first one that he got, which was not a custom build. Really? Yeah. He, and... he jams on the others, but the, the one that he, he recorded his last album, he did half, half the album on that guitar. And it was a guitar that I had made myself, had for a few years. And on that Hawaii trip where I brought instruments over there to try and get into some stores I had my guitar with me just for myself and he um, He saw my ukulele and had asked if I had a guitar and I showed him and he's like man. I really want this is it? Can I t 
take this one. I know it's yours. But I'm like, hell yeah, you can. <laughs> That's hilarious. You, you can. So, so there was just something that special about the guitar that he felt where he had to have it. A dude right. He connected on a, any on, guitar. on a emotional level. Yeah. And, That's the part that trips me out that I love the most. Right. Well, everyone has its own voice and its own personality. And when you're, when you're talking about really high end stuff that's made by one guy, everyone's a little different yeah and so it totally makes sense to connect to one guitar and not another can you uh, introduce us to a couple of your guitars i'll hold the mic and yeah i can pull a couple off the wall and maybe do a little intro and i'll put you on a good so a better mic here this guitar came about because of a project that i did with with uh with jack johnson a few years ago okay um, there was a there's a group called the Climate Reality Project, which is Al Gore's yes. foundation, and they promote the effect. They educate people as to the effects on global warming. Very and, familiar. And our impact on on the on the globe, and they do this 24 hours of reality every year, which is they have 24 hours of programming, and it's this intense thing showing what's going on. And they wanted to produce a video about the bark beetle outbreak which has happened all throughout the yes. Rocky Mountains. And, and also here, you know, Arrowhead, Big Dude, that's Bear, intense, and man. Maybe, maybe your pine tree in your yard dying. Dude, I saw it out. I was just in uh, the Palomar Mountains, and I couldn't yeah. believe the friggin' bark beetles out there. Right. So they've basically, you know, I, don't, I'm, I won't give the whole spiel on it, but they've wiped out the Rockies and, and a lot, over a billion trees. Damn. And what happened was their breeding cycle, since our winters have gotten shorter and not as cold, they don't get wiped out every year. The beetles are normal and they're right. supposed to be out there. But they've exponentially reproduced to the point where they've eaten through the, the forest. And so they wanted to tell that story, but they didn't want to do it in the scientific way. So they asked Jack to tell the story through the building of a guitar. It's like, hey, let's go out into the forest, show this you know, devastated place, let's take some of that wood and build a guitar with it. How cool. And you narrate it. And that's one of the guitars? So I've made, this is a, a replica of the one that I made for that story. They came in here wow. to film me in the shop building. And we went out to, to Colorado and filmed in the forest. And then I made the instrument and I brought it to Jack in North Carolina at a show. And he took it out on stage and, and played it at that show. And, and this was all rolled into the, it's like a little six minute film. But sure. This guitar, the back and sides are a ponderosa pine from Montana that was killed by beetles. And this pine is typically this light colored wood. And all this gray stain is from a fungus in the beetle's mouth. When it burrows into the tree, it the fungus gets into the tree and it leaches in and, and suffocates the tree so it can't absorb nutrients. Whoa. They feed their larva that fungus. But it makes the wood So that's gorgeous. the off-color. Yeah, I was going to say. Right? So that's that green off-color look. Yeah. That's beautiful. So It's the best-looking fungus I've ever seen. Serious. <laughs> <laughs> so since, since we did that show, I made a handful of guitars. Okay. And I made this one for a client of mine uh, locally here who, who has left the guitar with me kind of indefinitely. Sure. Thought I should have one. But uh, that's what this is. That's beautiful, uh, man. I'll take some pictures of that and we'll throw that up on the site. So all the guitars I'm seeing are numbered, signed. Do you know how yes, many you've made? I've finished um, 
277 guitars now. In how many years? 20 years. 20 years, 277. Yeah, and that I don't number my ukes. I've made over 120 sure. ukes, but uh, this wow. is number 265. That's impressive, man. I made it last year. Gorgeous, my man. Thank you. Wow. All right. So that's the one we're giving away on the website, right? <laughs> yeah. That's a joke. For a, a $10,000 donation. For a $10,000 donation, exactly. All right. Now, this is the one. This this actually fascinates me the most because it's funny. It was your daughter who got you to build the first you, correct? Yes. Okay. My daughter has an incredible, and I told you this when I met you at the boardroom the other day, she suddenly has this huge interest in learning how to play the guitar and the ukulele. I'm going to start her off on the guitar, but suddenly my interest in learning how to play the uk, and I'm taking notes, mental notes, right. should I say. I think that um, the ukulele, one of the big draws and the reason that it's become so popular is that if you're playing simple stuff, it's pretty easy to play. You can get some cool sounds with a couple basic chords and and play it. The guitar yeah. is a lot more work. It's a lot it takes more practice, more time and more dedication to get to the point where you can play some good basic stuff. Agreed. So with kids, the instant gratification comes into play where they pick it up, they play it and they go, Oh yeah, I can do this. Interesting. Uh, the guitar you have to really the guitar is more like learning how to surf where if you don't really want to learn, you, you're not going to get through the first 20 sessions. It's so true. Pounded, right? That's a great way of looking um, at it. So the ukulele in that way, I think, is a, a great starting point. Like a not they, not, not you to, wouldn't call it a boogie board. Right. No, <laughs> but, no, no, not at all. I mean, it can be taken as serious exactly. as anything. You know, if you look at what Daniel Ho has done with it or what Jake Shimabuko oh, has done with it. That guy's a madman. You know, all these guys. Heck like, yeah. Yeah, right? So... But you can play simple things that sound great sure. pretty easily. And then the portability of this thing is incredible compared to a guitar. Now that's, uh, tell me about, so this is one of your, it says Pepe Ukulele. Yes. Tell us about this particular guitar. Because I'm looking at it, I'm going to take some pictures. It's a beautiful, like so, it doesn't look like your traditional ukulele that you see at the ABC store in Hawaii. No, the ABC <laughs> store has not picked up my custom line yet. This is my, I call it my Series 5. It's uh my it has an abalone inlay on, on the top or yes. on the purfling and then the rosette and my sort of premium choice woods and it's my fanciest model but it's a tenor ukulele and i build tenors i've only built one baritone i've never built a concert or a soprano custom okay. um has a german spruce top which is incredible and i made it like a little mini spanish guitar so it's it's made when i say a spanish guitar they're built to go on stage and you should be able to play them and fill a concert hall without having to plug them in. So basically the instrument is what you got. And wow. it better be able to project and produce, you know, and sustain tone and, and uh, 
without amplification right. and all that. Not right. that you can't amplify. I mean, you could put a pickup sure. in here and jam it, which guys playing uh, stadiums have to do, yeah. right? Or huge places. But anyway, that's my take on these instruments. And it's pretty amazing what can come out of such a tiny little, yeah, little, man. little box. And it's just such a beautiful piece of work, too. Thank just you. looking at the craftsmanship. Now... You, I know it's top of the line and it's custom, but right. so what do your ukuleles run? You know, from the bottom end to the top of the so line. So my my custom ukuleles start at twenty five hundred, okay. and they go up. This would be thirty six hundred. Okay. And uh, my custom guitars start at ten thousand and yeah, go up from there. That's next level. And, but you know, it's an incredible amount of work. So you're really backlogged yeah. right now on all these ukuleles, or these are ones that you can. Do you have under the creations you're able to produce them on a reg, correct? Right. Yeah. Okay. Romero Creations is not uh, not a limited run. I mean, yeah. However many we have our factory produces, how many they can. And what do those run for? Those are running the five hundred to a thousand dollar range. Okay. And I'm just about to introduce a line. Uh, a run that runs in the two to four hundred dollar range. How cool! So man. I'm trying to get the accessibility out there, but maintain really high quality stuff. Yeah, but man. the custom stuff is going to be another level. It's, it's yeah. next level from that. Oh, I could tell. Trust me, just looking but, um, at it. Yeah, man. If you want to take us out with a little Luke, okay. n- nothing sounds sweeter to me. <laughs> <laughs>